Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. I hope you have been helped and blessed this week as we've been looking at the prophecies of Ezekiel. Without a doubt, difficult prophecies uh, does take a lot of work, a lot of study, but it is important that we do not leave any stone unturned, that we understand these things, because if we do not have good explanations, if we do not know these things, then the prophecy gurus who are wrong, they will camp out in those areas uh, because they will be able to act like they know something that you don't and therefore, you know, will make you feel like maybe they do have something to teach me. And the reality is anybody who is teaching dispensational theology, pre-tribulation theology, and Israel-based prophecy, they don't know what they're talking about and they really need to repent of those bad teachings because it's going to mess up everything with eschatology. And I am thankful that many, many, many preachers who and pastors who have not come as far as dumping pre-tribulation doctrine and all that, they've at least been silent on it for a long time. And they need to stay that way until they get it figured out. But it's going to be tough because there's a lot of political pressure. But I'm hoping as over time, as we just reveal more and more stupidity, when they understand more and more about where these foolish interpretations came from, uh, it will embolden them to walk away from these errors. Uh, and I believe it's so important that everyone does that. And so today, uh, we are going to focus on the Gog and Magog prophecies. Now, most you know, fundamental Baptist dispensational preachers will probably admit they don't know a whole lot about this prophecy. But at the same time, it won't stop them from having in the prophecy gurus who are all teaching Schofieldism, Zionism, and all that nonsense. They'll let them come in and they'll tell them what it's all about. But you know, if they're going to do that, why don't they just preach from their real Bible, the late great planet Earth? And when it comes to Gog and Magog, we are still hearing preachers today, 50-some years after this book was written, who will literally get up, mention Gog and Magog, and you know what they'll say? Let's talk about Russia. Gog is Russia. You know why? Because chapter 5 of Late Great Planet Earth, the title, Russia is Gog. And then they'll go into all this history and tracing its roots, and they did the research. They didn't do the research. They got it right out of this book. So, um, and when you, when you go and you read this 50 years later, it is, you're embarrassed for some of these gray headed fellas who are still repeating that, not realizing how outdated it is, not realizing how, wait, this, this scenario doesn't fit anymore with the world stage. And that's why we need to stick to preaching what is taught in the scriptures because the scriptures do not change. And you know what? Sometimes we just have to admit that maybe the political stage is not quite set yet. And we got to stop trying to uh, force today's events into fitting the setup of what we see in the book of Revelation. Because maybe it's just not time yet. But because people always think the rapture could come at any moment and are saying the rapture could come at any moment, they've got to make it look like the world fits that situation where we see Jesus Christ actually returning. And it's bad. It's shameful. And, um, you know, my generation has absolutely no reason to remain loyal to the errors of the previous generation. They got caught up in the TV preachers and the book writers of that day. They got away from scriptures. They bought into Schofieldism, Zionism. Uh, they, they were hoodwinked by the 
fake Israel being established in 1948. And we don't need to be that way. We've got to get away from this stuff. And so I'm going to show you some things about the Gog and Magog prophecy. Some of these things you're probably not going to care to hear too much, but you need to hear it because it's just true. And so I'm not, I, I don't have time to review all the things we've talked about in the previous chapters, but if you only listen to this podcast, then you're probably going to walk away really confused in some things. You need to go watch the previous ones where I explain and I show how the prophecies that we see in Ezekiel aren't necessarily showing us exactly what's going to happen. No, there's many things in here that are optional, assuming Israel obeys. But here's the thing. Chapter 1 shows us Israel is not going to obey. Israel did not obey. And therefore, we don't need to expect and we don't need to prove how everything that Ezekiel described came to pass exactly as Ezekiel described it. We should expect to not find that because of the fact Israel didn't obey. They were not prepared for the Messiah. They did not do anything that they were supposed to do. So let's go ahead now and go through this Gog and Magog prophecy and starting in Ezekiel 38 and verse 1 it says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against them, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and will bring thee forth, and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords, Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togarma of the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with thee. Be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years. Thou shalt come into this land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. Now, people see that latter years right there, and that gives them an excuse to jump 2,500 years or so into the future. Or actually, yeah, yeah, 2,500 years or 3,500 years uh, if, you, uh, if you're looking at a post-millennial fulfillment. Uh, which, don't worry, I'm going to get to that. But uh, I, I point out all this to show to a- ask you a simple question. Who is Gog and Magog? Who are these people according to the Scriptures? According to the Scriptures. Not according to late great planet Earth. According to the Scriptures. Now, I'm sure Israel in that day knew exactly who these nations were that they're referring to. But can we figure out from the Scriptures, just from Scriptures, who these people are? Are talking about and I believe we can I think we can and when we understand who these people are according to the scriptures all of a sudden things start to make a lot of sense and so we're going to go all the way back to Genesis 10 where we have the dividing of the nations after the Tower of Babel we know God that we have the dividing of the nations that take place and we have some genealogies in there and we're gonna see some names that we see in Ezekiel 38 and I believe, again, this is showing us who they, uh, who these people are that are being prophesied against. 
And so in Genesis 10.1, now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and unto them were sons born after the flood. And of the sons of Japheth, Gomer, we saw that name, Magog, we saw that name, Madai, Javan, and Tubal, and Meshach, and Tyrus, and the sons of Gomer, uh, Ashkenaz, Riphath, Togarma, and of the sons of Javan, Elisha, and Tarshish, and Kittim of Dodanim. Now, you might recognize many of those names. Go look at Genesis 10 and then compare it with some of the names we see in Ezekiel 38. Who were these people? The descendants of Japheth? Well, yes, but more specifically, verse 5 of chapter 10 says, By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, everyone after his tongue, after their families and their nations. So we see that these are more specifically referring to the Gentiles. Now, this is important because what, something that a lot of people do not understand is that when it comes to uh, when it comes to the uh, the Gentiles, um, that before the time of Christ, during the time of Ezekiel, they were a more specific group of people. Okay, when we get to the time of Christ, you know, it it would appear, and I think most people agree that everybody's either Jew or Gentile, but it wasn't always that way yet. That's not how it was during the time of Ezekiel where there was just Jew and Gentile. No, the Gentiles were a very specific peoples from some very specific nations. They were the descendants of Japheth. And so keep so keep all that in mind. And and um well, and let me just go ahead and show you this, okay? Let me go ahead and show you this. So remember, during the time that Ezekiel was written, they are currently in the Babylonian captivity. Now, Daniel did a lot of prophesying because during Daniel's time, the Medes and Persians had taken over. But Daniel does a whole bunch of prophecy about the, uh, the Greek empire, the coming of the Greek empire, uh, which is where the Gentiles come from, which is a reference to the Gentiles. The Greek empire ends up taking over the Persian empire and became a world leader. And so by the time we, you know, hundreds of years later, when we get to the time of Christ, you know, we do, we have Greek kind of being a main language. And even though the Roman empire was kind of empowered during this time, we, for some reason, I don't fully understand all this. We do see that it's, you know, everything's kind of considered either Jew or Greek in the scriptures because the Greeks, the Gentiles basically had taken over the world, a very specific uh, very specific people. And so right here, uh, we'll see, is a map of the Persian Empire at about 500 BC. And so this would have been the, you know, basically the world power uh, or the map of how things were back during that day. Um, or shortly after, it would have been after the time of Ezekiel, but before the time of Christ. And then later, we have the uh, Greek Empire, that comes along that's expanded uh, even more. Not a whole lot, but it's expanded even more. And so basically, um, you know, they were the world power, the Greeks, the Gentiles. We see in the scriptures too, and I'll show you this a little bit, that the Greeks, nations, Gentiles, heathen, it was all kind of, those words were all kind of used simultaneously. But we're not to that point yet. 
Okay, we're not we're not to that point where the scripture is um, referring to Gentiles in that way. And so basically what we're seeing with Gog and Magog, I believe, is God pronouncing judgment on the heathen. And, uh, and uh, um, you know, and so specifically Gog and Magog are kind of the main ones. So just uh, hold your, uh, you know, keep, keep all those things in mind. So let's go ahead and read a little bit more. It says in verse 9, Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into my mind and thou shalt think an evil thought. And thou shalt say, I will go to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take a spoil, to take a prey and to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon a people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. Now, there is absolutely nothing that we see in here that resembles anything that is going on in our world today. Israel is in the process of still building walls. There are walls everywhere out there. Uh, People in America have no idea what it's like in Israel with all the border walls and checkpoints and things. It is very difficult, too, especially if you're a Palestinian living in Israel right now. Things are anything but secure and safe, and it's not going to be that way anytime soon. I mean, this doesn't even resemble it, but yet many people are teaching that this Gog and Magog battle could be an imminent battle. I've heard some say they think it could happen shortly before the rapture. Some believe it will happen immediately after the rapture. Um, in the Left Behind series, it happened shortly before the rapture, there was basically a Gog and Magog war that took place. They didn't call it that, but there's uh, it's basically what it was. Um, if you read the books, it was the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38, 39 prophecies. But yet, let me tell you, without a doubt, this is not like reading today's newspaper. It wasn't like reading the newspaper 50 years ago. It's not even close. But all these things it's about talking about, there's a lot of very specific things in here. It says, uh, we'll go on and keep reading verse 13. Sheba and Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, uh, with all the young lines thereof, shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto God, thus saith the Lord God, In the day when my people Israel dwelleth safely, shalt thou know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, Thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses and a great company and a mighty army. And so people read that north part there and they assume we're going to go all the way up, you know, through Turkey and everything and go up into Russia is what they do. But no, that's not what it is at all. Now shall come against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days and I will bring thee against my land that the heathen may know me when I should be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. God's doing this to judge the heathen so the heathen will know. And so thus saith the Lord God, Art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years, that I would bring them against them? And it shall come to pass the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken, 
Surely in that day there should be a great shaking in all the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of heaven and the beasts of the field and all the creeping things that creep upon the earth and all men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. And I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstones and fire and brimstone. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself. And I will be known in the eyes of many nations and they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, when... There's a great problem for pre-tribbers, for pro-Israel people. They are desperate to find something that shows some kind of restoration of national Israel. And so they they've tried to force Ezekiel 38 into uh, their Israel-based prophecy. And it just creates all kinds of problems, for one. Because it's like, wait a minute, so we've got Israel being surrounded with armies again. Is this the same as when Israel surrounded with armies in Matthew chapter 24? And it's like nobody... There's no consistency in the Israel-based prophecy world about what this is. Because where God just kind of threw a monkey wrench in all of their uh, theologies is when we go to Revelation 20, which is clearly after the thousand years are expired. It says, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and should go out to deceive the nations that are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Hey, that's what God said he was going to do in Ezekiel 38. And the devil that deceived them was cast like a fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet aren't shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So notice, again, in Ezekiel 38, we have fire and brimstone coming down on them to defeat that army. So it for sure looks like Revelation 20 and Ezekiel 38 are talking about the same thing. But it does. It kind of creates problems for everybody because it's like, where do we put Ezekiel 38 in our timeline? Nothing really seems to fit. And here's why. Because when we're looking at Ezekiel 30, 38, uh, we, we must understand the fact that... Um, it, it, it can't fit because this prophecy was something that was originally given where it's dealing with the judging of the heathen and specifically these nations that were around during that time. And most of this prophecy, a lot of this prophecy probably had a fulfillment uh, during the time of Antiochus Epiphanes. In fact, if you go and you read Daniel chapter 11 and you see a lot of what's going on there, and it can be difficult because we don't fully understand. Uh, I haven't put the time in to study exactly what nations and all the history that goes on there, but everyone will agree Daniel 11 is referring to things during the during the Greek Empire and judgment that came during that time. Now, the Daniel 11 part is mainly focused on what's going on towards Israel, but there's clearly things that are taking place between the other kingdoms that surround Israel during that time, where in Ezekiel 38, we're mainly focusing on what's going to happen on Gog and Magog. So, again, I'm sure if somebody wanted to really do a deep dive into history, what happened during the Greek Empire, there's probably a lot of things that they could find 
in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that are very similar to what took place historically. But at the same time, there are some things that you are not going to find. And, and there was a reason for that, because Israel didn't obey God. Israel didn't do the things that they were supposed to do. They did not follow God's instruction. So no matter what you find from Ezekiel 38 and 39 that has been fulfilled, the one thing that you will not find is deliverance of Israel. Because, again, just like God told Ezekiel, Israel is not going to follow or uh, listen to your prophecy. They are going to disobey. That's exactly what God said was going to happen, and that is exactly what ended up happening. And so uh, we need to understand that mainly this Gog and Magog is it's a reference to the Gentiles. We see in Isaiah 66, 19, says, I will set a sign among them, and I will send those that escape of them unto the nations, to Tarshish, Pole, and Lud, that draw the bow to Tubal, and Javan to the isles afar off that have not heard of my fame, neither have seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. And so we see some uh, names in there too that are referred to in uh, Ezekiel 38, also in Genesis chapter 10. And those are um, names that are associated with the Gentiles. So again, this was a very specific group. So the Gog and Magog prophecies, I believe a lot of these things would have taken place um, even before the time of Christ. Uh, you know, so, so when it said latter days, too, again, you can make that you know, 2,500 or 3,500 years in the future, or you can make it a couple hundred years in the future, which is probably uh, exactly what happened. So when we go to uh, Ezekiel chapter 39, we're not going to take time to read all of this, but just understand you know, as somebody who would consider myself in the futurist camp, and if you consider yourself in the futurist camp, we are not required. We are under absolutely no obligation to take the prophecies about Gog and Magog and figure out how they will be fulfilled it to every detail. And if you are somebody who is from a more preterist world or a partial preterist world, you are under no obligation to show how all of it has already been fulfilled. We are under no obligation to do that. When we are looking at these prophecies, we need to understand, no, this is exactly what it would have looked like had Israel obeyed, if they would have followed the Lord, if they would have done the things that God told them to do. But everyone ignores the fact that they did not do those things, and so we don't need, we don't need to do that. And so let's go ahead and look at Ezekiel chapter 39, because I want to I point out a few things. So it says, Therefore thou, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and will bring thee into the mountains of Israel. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand, and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that are with thee, I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beasts of the fields to be devoured. Now, this creates a lot of problems, too, for everyone in the futurist world because, oh, wait, we got these people being given to the birds for a feast? That kind of sounds like Revelation 19. So is Gog and Magog a Revelation 19 prophecy? I mean, it sounds a lot like it. Most people tell you, Israel being surrounded by armies like that. That's Revelation 19. We've got the birds eating flesh. 
in Revelation 19. So is this a Revelation 19 fulfillment of prophecy? Okay, and if you see the ornery look on my face, okay, it, it, it's because this is funny because these are things that you can throw in the pre-tribbers' faces that they're just going to be confused out of their mind with. And it's because they, again, they reject the idea that, you know, the prophecies that are towards Israel, that many of them had contingencies. And they're just convinced all these wonderful things are going to happen for Israel. No. When Israel was surrounded by armies, they did not get delivered. They got destroyed because they did not accept the Messiah. But let's go ahead and read a little bit more. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. I will send a fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So will I, and think about this too, okay? Uh, the trotting underfoot of, of the holy city by the Gentiles. I mean, remember the Gentiles, that's who these people were. It's, this is the heathen, the Gentiles. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel and will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Behold, it is come and it is done, saith the Lord God. This is the day whereof I have spoken and they that dwell in the cities of Israel shall go forth and set on fire and burn the weapons, both of the shields and bucklers, the bows and the arrows and the hand staves and the spears, and they shall burn them with fire seven years. Oh, a seven-year reference. This proves seven-year tribulation, right? Um, well, not really because, again, this sounds a lot more like Revelation 19 than it does Revelation chapter 4. But yet, here we see the burning of weapons that goes on for seven years. So I think this, this is one of the reasons, too, some people want to put Gog and Magog at the beginning of the tribulation or shortly before the rapture. And again, the shortly before the rapture thing, I mean, that that theory probably should not be given any credibility or any dignity whatsoever. That was something people were teaching back then when they were convinced that Gog and Magog uh, was Russia. And again, most people, I think they figured out a lot of that was a bunch of baloney. And most people are not looking for a Gog and Magog battle right before but they were back then for sure and so with all that talk of russia it's like this could happen at any moment but oh there might I'm, again there's probably still some gray heads out there that haven't got uh you know figured out things have changed and that's not even close to being possible but anyway um so it says so that they shall take no wood out of the field neither cut down any out of the forest for they shall burn the weapons with fire and they shall spoil those that spoil them and rob those that rob them saith the Lord God. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of the passengers of the east and of the sea, and it shall stop the noses of the passengers. And there shall they bury Gog and all his multitude, and they shall call it the valley of Haman Gog. In seven months shall the house of Israel be burying of them that they may cleanse the land. But folks, again, this never happened. God never destroyed the heathen that were coming after Israel. The heathen won. The heathen defeated them. And so when we're, and so when people are looking at these things, everyone wants to go here and they want to look and they want to figure out, all right, you know, how is this going to happen in the future? Folks, it's not going to happen like this. This is not going how it's going to happen. When we go to Ezekiel, I've already shown you this in chapter 37, and I'm going to show it to you in 38 and 39. 
the fulfillment of these things are going to happen, but in a keyword again, better way. It's actually going to be better when it happens. And so what we see in Revelation 20, after Gog and Magog, you know, after uh, God defeats them, rains down fire and brimstone on them, watch what happens. I don't believe there's going to be a burning of weapons for seven years. I don't be, believe there's going to be a burying of body for seven months and a stink and all that kind of stuff when God judges the heathen. I believe that the Gog and Magog battle will find its fulfillment. And the reason God called it Gog and Magog is after the thousand-year reign of Christ. We know Satan is going to be loose for a little season. He's going to deceive the nations. Not everyone in the millennium is going to be saved. There will be lost people. You know who those heathen will, who those people will be? Heathen. That's who they will be. Gentiles, heathen, nations. These are all simultaneous. Those words are all used simultaneously. And when and so I believe when Revelation was written, that was still the mindset then. This wasn't about one nation. This is not about single nations. It's about spiritual nations. God has made us all of one blood. We don't, we're, it's not about physical nations anymore. It's about are you in Christ or are you not in Christ? It's not about, it's not about ethnicity. We don't care. It's not about Jew or Greek. There is no Jew or Greek in Christ. They're saved and lost. If you're saved, you are a part of the Israel of God. It is a spiritual thing. It is not an ethnic thing. It is not a national thing. And that's not coming back unless you will count the millennium when Christ is ruling and reigning on earth. And we will be a part of that nation. But we have heathen. We have. And so this is just showing, I believe, God's final battle with the heathen or the lost. And all the lost will be destroyed. And after God destroys them, uh, it says, and they went, or in verse 9, and they went up on the breadth of the earth, encompassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever. I believe that's a burning that's going to take place after the Gog and Magog battle. I believe God is going to take Satan. And God is going to take all of the heathen, all of the heathen, and they will all be cast into the lake of fire. And what is the very next thing we see? We see a great white throne. And we see all the lost. At that point, after the Gog and Magog battle, what we see is God, or Jesus Christ, is completely ridding the world of sin. He's going to let Satan go one more time. Because he's going, to, he's going to show and find all those who are still of faith. Those who are not of faith, they will follow the devil and they will be defeated and they will be destroyed. And then in Revelation 21, we have the new heaven and the new earth. And God himself is going to dwell with us. And we talked about that when we went through chapter 37. I'm not going to repeat all those things. But understand, it's the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies towards certain nations that have not been fulfilled yet. They're not going to be fulfilled through a specific country like Russia. It's going to be fulfilled through a spiritual people, you could say. And ultimately, Gog and Magog of Revelation is just, uh, it was God's way of pointing out him judging all the heathen. And during that millennial reign of Christ, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be about saved and the heathen. 
and all the heathen are going to be destroyed. So I'm not, I'm not even going to try to show you how everything in Ezekiel 38 and 39 have already been fulfilled, nor am I going to try to prove how it all will be fulfilled. I don't have to do that. Those things were contingent. Anything that needs to be fulfilled will be fulfilled with Jesus Christ. He will tie up any loose ends during his millennial kingdom. And I believe that specific prophecy will find its fulfillment, just like we see in Revelation 20. I do not believe in Gog and Magog 1 coming and Gog and Magog 2. I, I, I don't believe that. I believe there's one coming, and I believe it will be after the thousand-year reign of Christ where he judges the heathen. And so hopefully that was a help to you. Uh, hopefully that give you a better understanding. We don't need to force all the details of what we see in Ezekiel 38 and 39 into our theology no, Israel blew that opportunity uh, when they rejected Christ and did not follow any of his instructions. And so tomorrow we are going to get into the most, probably the most clear examples of what I'm talking about, where we're going to see the contingencies. We're going to see this is what happens if you do these things. And we are going to show also where Jesus already came and did his part, but Israel didn't do their part. And there's not going to be another temple. Uh, there's not going to be another temple where God accepts sacrifices again. Do not let the Ruckmanites deceive you on that. So be prepared for that tomorrow. Thank you so much for watching. I hope this was a blessing. God bless.